Hello and welcome to IndiePod, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we are bringing you three awesome indie game news stories, of course, before we hop in to news cram and full you, I don't, I don't know, fill you f- full of all sorts of indie games news. I don't know how that works exactly. I'm not 100% right sure. In there. I don't Uh, Yeah, I don't know the science of cramming, if I'm being completely honest, which is just sounding worse and worse the more I go, so I'm just going to move on. We also talk about indie games over on crowdfunding sites and God Bless the Crowd, answer your listener questions, and so much more. But before we get into that, I would like to introduce myself, Vaughn Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Adjust Boys, and, of course, our special guest, Luis Alamia. Did I say that correctly? Perfect. I'm I'm so happy. Thank you. (laughs) I feel so good about myself right now. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, before we get into anything, and I forget, I do actually want to talk about some housekeeping. Of course, we have a new developer interview out right now with Xavier Munet. Is that how you say his name, Josh? I think it was Monet. Monet, there you go. This is a new developer interview with Xavier Monet, the solo dev behind The Kind Chamomile, which is currently uh, in its crowdfunding campaign over on Kickstarter. I put a tweet out about it uh, technically today, the day that this airs, or well, today, the day that we're recording. It'll be like t- two days before this airs, whatever. It mm-hmm. doesn't really matter. Um, but. Make sure you go check out the Kind Chamomile over on Kickstarter. See if you enjoy it. Possibly uh, give them, like possibly back the game or wishlist it on Steam. All sorts of fun stuff. And by the time that this comes out, we should be concluding our giveaway for 1,000 threads. Uh, but we are doing doing another giveaway for Lorera. I still don't know how to say the fucking name. It's L-O-R-E-R-A. We are actually going to be giving away two codes of this. Uh, so when this comes out, I don't believe I will start the giveaway on that Friday because for some reason I'm really uncomfortable about ending and starting giveaways on the same day. But on Saturday, so the day after this like goes out, you can go to our Twitter and check our just like our tweets and replies whatever you should be following us but i'm just gonna say that um and you can enter the giveaway typically you just have to be following retweet and like all sorts of fun stuff you'll be entered to win one of two codes of an awesome indie game but now i can finally ask you how are you doing today Luis? is it a good day for you are you excited to play all these games that you're just bombarded with yeah, uh, Spear Far definitely is uh, one of the most anticipated games for me this year. Uh, at the same time, I'm excited to jump into it, but also wish I kind of knew ahead of time it was coming out. Uh, it's like the thing that's definitely more the most entrancing thing right now in this week for me. That's the like total double-edged sword of Shadow Drops is that they're so exciting because you're like, yes, an awesome game to play right now. But then on the back of your head, you're like, crap an awesome game that i have to like devote a shitload of time to now versus like before i had i just had i i had time for myself whatever it was fine exactly like literally literally the last podcast i was on was like you know august is pretty chill so far not that many games coming out i'm pretty much chilling until avengers comes out at the end of the month and then shadow drops like a bunch of games from nintendo i'm like oh okay cool (laughs) (laughs) which i should say I, I did very much enjoy your episode with Grayson Morales on the Pro- Positive Players podcast. I listened to it earlier this week. It was good stuff. I'm just oh, thank you. Right yeah, I'm doing I, the rounds I, right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're like on uh, all sorts of podcasts. It's kind of outrageous. Like you went on Positive Players, you're coming on this one, and then you're going on one more, right? Yeah, I'm doing a way forward, uh, which I, I don't think the episode airs till like a month from now, so it'll be a while, but... 
I ironically said, you know, I don't have that many games to review. I guess I'll do some podcasts. And I guess that's not the case anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess you're just uh, super busy. I mean, it's better than having nothing to do, right? Exactly. I I am kind of a workaholic, so I kind of love it. See, there you go. (laughs) How are you today, Big Josh boy? I'm not being mean to you or anything. I'm like, I'm, you know... I know, a little bit being, of love. being a normal co-host. Uh, yeah, no, I, this week has been super stressful for me. I'm, uh, Like I said before, I'm pretty pumped. I'm ready to just chill and talk about video games and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not stressed about your house or anything? You oh, just... actually, oh, I mean the house, yeah, there's there's that. That's coming up this weekend will be the, the weekend to get like everything ready to start moving. Um, but no, just like work in general and just, you know, life. Life is kind of a drag right now because we're in this weird like, you know, just floating around in whatever is COVID life. Um, but other than that, you know, just, just hanging out, talking about games. Ah, okay. Louise, has your life really changed because of the coronavirus? That sounds like a weird thing to ask, but like <laughs> me specifically, I'm I I work for a place where I was like a I forgot what they call them. They're like what is it? An essential employee or whatever, like yeah. it's an essential yeah. service. Uh so I have to go to work every day. Like my life really hasn't changed all that much. Like what about for you? So I used to work for my university, uh, hopping out with like their dormitory and doing like management stuff there. But the school kind of closed. So I kind of got laid off back in March, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been doing uh, like my online work in the meantime. I just got hired at uh, a job. But it's under NDA, so I can't disclose it just yet. But mm-hmm. things Ooh. seem a bit more stable at the moment. Uh I'm just happy to be, I guess, back on my feet. But I've been doing the video game thing in the meantime, the, the whole time, pretty much. <laughs> well, congrats. That's awesome. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. I mean, one of the night I will, once again, not a great way to, to phrase this, but one of the nice things about the shittiness of COVID is having a bunch of time to play like video games and stuff like that. Sounds terrible, but I said it and I stick with it. I'm just gonna yeah. be done <laughs> with probably, that sentence right now. Could probably phrase it a little bit better, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta look for the bright side of everything, I guess. Right. Like exactly. I, I don't know. COVID yeah. sucks big cojones, but it's not like also I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be cojones, not cojones, but that's an Correct. entire aside in general. <laughs> that's okay. But uh <laughs> being real inclusive here. Yeah, I'm just being absolutely crazy. I don't know why I'm being so weird. Let's talk about some indie games. Luis, you are playing... uh, Let's talk about your first one on here. It's Mortal Shell by Cold Symmetry. Are you enjoying it? Are you like a Souls fan in general? Or did you hop into this one like kind of with no like prior knowledge of the games that are technically like in the genre? So I haven't played too many Souls-like indie games before. I've played, you know, the, the main staple franchise of like Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Demon Souls... Uh, Sekido, but that's a lot. This, that's yeah, I mean, I, I played the <laughs> the big name ones, but I haven't played very many indie ones. So this was like my first uh, look at basically what an indie studio could do with the genre, and I was pretty impressed with it. it. I feel like it does mimic a lot of the features that the genre is known for, but it also tries to shake it up by introducing its own mechanics. And in many ways, I think it makes it somewhat more approachable to newcomers uh, of the genre that haven't played any of those big games, perhaps because they've been intimidated by all the, this game's really hard, it's all known because it's so hard, and I think this one's a little bit more approachable. 
What do you think about the item mechanics? So like the the way the items worked in the beta that I played is that you had to use it over and over again to understand how it works. What do you think about that? Um, at first, I was like, huh, I, I wonder if I just won't know because I didn't play the beta. I was like, I wonder if I'll just find out later, like when someone tells me what it is. And it was just like, no, keep using the items. So I was like, okay, I wonder what this mushroom does. Oh, it, it heals me. Cool. I wonder what this other mushroom does. And it, like, I found out with like four, like forty percent health left. I was like, oh, it poisons me and it, it hurts poisonous. me. Poisonous. Yeah. yeah. So yep. like immediately, I was like, oh, this mushroom will save me. No, it actually just killed me. Uh, <laughs> and then I was like, huh, I kind of know what it does, but it keeps saying to keep using it, and, and it'll become more familiar with me. So I kept doing it. You know, when I had more health. And eventually, it ended up granting me uh, repellent towards poison, which I thought was pretty cool, that these items sort of evolve the more times you use them. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. I honestly just thought, like, that mushroom was kind of boning you. It's just, like, poisons you and kills you all the time. That's exactly what I thought. I just, I died, like, five times with it. Yeah, um, I was like, hmm. I, it's poisoning me. I know that it's poisoning me. I wonder why it keeps saying to keep using it. And I was like, all right, I'll, I guess I'll find out. And yeah, it was. It ended up being a bonus item, which is pretty cool. That's really cool. I like that a lot. I've I've been. I had my eye on Mortal Shell ever since it was revealed. I think basically like early this year. As far as I know, I don't think it was revealed before that, but I enjoyed it initially and then I played the beta and I thought like I this is something I really want to ask you since you said you played the other Souls games and like the the kind of triple A versions like that was air quotes, by the way, mm-hmm. um, but I want to ask you, how did you feel the combat kind of stacked up to Souls like games? Because I personally found it really like it felt kind of slow versus in souls like games it's it's much faster especially in something like bloodborne specifically what did you think uh movement's definitely faster than bloodborne but i think uh i guess it's easier to to sort of cheese enemies uh something i constantly found was you're able to usually uh deal some damage on the enemy have them do their animation attack and without doing like a parry or even using the mechanic of hardening you can probably just unlock run away just enough to dodge the attack and then come back at them because they have this whole stamina feature where it pretty pretty much anything you do takes your stamina away from you and i tried avoiding using anything like uh, a parry or anything that would cease my or use up more of my stamina so i ended up just trying to play or finesse my way around the boss fights and in that uh retrospective it kind of seemed a bit easier to take out these enemies once i had figured out everything uh, very much in the Souls-like way where everything feels very intimidating up until the point where you notice the pattern or you see what you're supposed to do. Yeah, so it sounds like you're kind of kiting everyone. Like, kiting is obviously a different thing entirely, but it sounds very similar. How mm. did you... You brought up the hardening mechanic. What did you think of that? Because I, I personally thought it was really interesting that it's both used for, like, offense and defense, but it seems like something you really have to work at to understand how exactly it works. Yeah, because in like the simplest of terms, it's basically like a block, but it also can stagger your enemy and that can lead to more damage. Uh, but then you also have like the parry move, which is completely different. If you time it well enough, you can do like a critical hit. And uh, I thought it was interesting in the sense that you had this hardening ability that I think for better and for worse, lets it be more approachable to newcomers, but also introduces like completely new mechanics to the to the combat where I'm not always trying to time something to be a parry. 
Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. The The only thing that I found kind of difficult to wrap my head around is when it told you that you could use it while in your attack animations. And I didn't really understand what that did. I was like, isn't it just going to make me... Like, isn't it kind of just readying a block? Like, have you figured out why exactly that's like a thing? I thought of it sort of like, I guess, like, uh, like frame canceling in fighting games where you could be doing like a lunge heavy attack and suddenly like the animation of the boss changes and you weren't expecting that. So suddenly you can then cancel your attack and then harden instead. Uh, But that's as far as I thought of it. I thought it was more like frame canceling in fighting games. Okay, that's kind of... I, I didn't even think about it like that. It does kind of suck, like, especially, like, having played Souls-like games, uh, being in the middle of an attack animation, and you see a boss coming down, like, bringing the hammer down on your head, and you're like, ah, crap. Like, I'm definitely about to die. But in Mortal Shell, you could just harden. The The last thing I wanted to ask about the game is, how do you feel about the shells themselves? Like, having... Um, there's not actually a gear system in the game. Instead, you inhabit kind of these, these shells where like in the beta you first had a knight and then you had like a thief i didn't get much further than that so you might have more um but how did you feel about that and how when you level up you actually unlock their stories Mm -hmm. like that specific shell story did you think that was as cool as i do because i honestly like lore and the story of the world is something that i find so interesting so it was like i wanted to level up almost exclusively for that reason yeah um I, there's so I recall there's a total of four classes or shells. Um, I mostly gravitated towards the first one. I think that's mostly because of how long I played it at first, especially in the uh, in the beginning of the game. Um, and sort of each shell has its own play style in a sense. Uh, and later on, you could switch between them even during combat with an item. Um, but I thought cool. I thought it was really cool though, just the way you they sort of explain what they were because essentially these shells were people and you learn how about them, how they got there and things of that nature. Uh, and I think that's something that this game does well in terms of its storytelling. It doesn't really tell you a story. You just kind of wake up. You're like, Hey, you're this thing. You're now being teleported to a world and you really don't have any context for anything. Uh, so much so that at the very beginning of the game, mostly it's like the items are telling you a bit of the story at the get go. Um, and I think it's interesting the way they told the story. And it's very Souls-like in the sense where it's just ambiguous until you dive deeper and deeper into it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's that's what I noticed too. Like it, uh, just like in Souls-like games, you actually have to pursue story. It's not just going to like force it down your throat with dialogue, which I... I personally find like really refreshing in the souls like games, having to actually like pursue it myself. Um, what about spirits fair or spirit fairer by thunder Lotus? This is like you said, one of your most like anticipated games for this year. How are you? Are you enjoying it so far? I've only played like, I think at most an hour of it so far because it, it was shadow dropped on me while I was playing battle toads for review. Um, <laughs> So, a very different game from Battletoads. Uh, this one's more peaceful and calming, and I just like the premise of it a lot so far, where you're playing as this woman who is essentially a spirit guide, and you're trying to fulfill the last wishes of these different spirits before they go on to the afterlife. And this is all happening on your little boat, uh, where you're traveling across the ocean and sort of just fulfilling wishes, whether it's like, you know, bring me this item. Can you take me to this place that I've always wanted to go to? And I think it's just really cute and charming. 
I did want to ask you something outside of the game. You said you only played this for like an hour because you're, it's like right in the middle of you reviewing Battletoads. Mm. How does your like kind of uh, how does your review process go? Do you only play like that single game while you're reviewing it, or like is there kind of like I don't know. I, I guess a process for you. Um, usually, if I'm not juggling a bunch of games at the same time, I'll just you know I'll go by the order of the embargo and try to finish what I'm already working on. In this case, I had Battletoads for about four days already, and I was like, "Oh, I'm taking my time with the um, the embargo is later today." So I was like, "I want to get it done uh, right before the embargo." And then the news dropped yesterday that all these other games are coming out. I was like, "Oh, okay, I gotta speed this up a bit." I downloaded all the games and I was like, well, I really want to play Spirit Far. So I played a little bit of it, but I'm also like in mind that I have this embargo I want to hit tomorrow. So go back to Battletoads. Um, but usually I pre plan this stuff ahead of time and try to balance <laughs> out playing each game. Uh, so I don't like mix up my feelings for one game with the other. Or like if I'm struggling with the one game, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go and play this other game now. Um, Usually I divide my time pretty well between them. It's just like in instances like this where things are shadow dropped and they're kind of unexpected. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm juggling a few titles this week. Have you ever had a moment where like things outside of games like, uh, sorry, this is a thing that I have started to do when we have guests on that I find really, really interesting is that it's a pseudo interview slash like normal <laughs> podcast. Like when Tom Marks was on, I basically did the same thing. But do you ever find when you're reviewing a game that you bring like um, kind of like outside influences into it, like how you said you didn't want to mix up games. And does that ever force you to like want to replay the game because you feel like your review might be in a sense tainted by like not really being in the mood to play a video game? Um, In some instances, like when I was playing Ghost of Tsushima, I really enjoyed that game, but I also carried like a lot of heavy feelings from playing The Last of Us 2. And even though I really <laughs> liked that game, I'm like, Man, I feel like that game really took the wind out of me, and I just kind of want to chill for a bit. But then, you know, Ghost of Tsushima came out. I was like, "Well, I want to hit this embargo, so I have to play it." And it's sort of that, like you said before, it's like it's a hobby, but it's also a job, and those lines kind of cross every once in a while. And it's just something as a game journalist you kind of have to deal with. Uh, but also in that perspective, there are times where outside influences have like a positive effect on the game. I reviewed this indie game called Roki not too long ago, and it dealt with like a small uh, family of two children and their father who lost their mother. And it's diving into like folklore stories that sort of relate to that loss of a family member. And I'm dating somebody who also lost their mother. And in that way, I saw many aspects of her and how she had to deal with that with her family in the video game. And I thought that was really sweet. Wow. Okay. That, like how uh, your kind of hobby bleeds into real life and, and teaches you something, essentially. That's really interesting. Um, I, I know you're not super far into Spirit Fair, just to kind of rewind to that. But I did want to know before we move on to like the other things we're playing, is what is actually the primary gameplay mechanic in Spirit Fair? Because I've noticed that like your ship gains these kind of like houses and stuff like that, like little biomes for each spirit. But I don't actually know what you do in the game. So, based on the hour I played and the E3 demo I played, I think it was last E3, uh, it's essentially just managing all the different guests or uh, travelers of the ship and trying to fulfill their wishes while just being productive, I guess. 
Uh, and over time, you'll build more and more aspects of the boat with the help of your travelers. Like someone might be really proficient at cooking or something and might help you out in that sense. Or someone else might want to plant a garden, so you'll build a garden on the boat. Uh, but essentially, you're just building up your ship to uh, host more people and trying to just also fill their wishes at the same time. So would you say with the, the amount that you've played that it's kind of like a management sim? Oh, it's very much a management sim. Okay, cool. I I imagine it's still like it's it's not as like hectic and like really kind of like anxiety inducing as a normal management sim, but yeah, the game looks pretty fantastic. I really really want to play it, honestly. I'm not very good at managing things just in everyday life, let alone in video games, but I think it looks pretty awesome <laughs> and very wholesome. So, yeah, I I'm think it's a it's a great game to wind down with. I'm usually not the one to do very many like life sims uh my girlfriend's actually the one that really got me into stardew recently hmm. um she uh well, i think i I texted her when i when i saw this got shadow job i'm like hey this is definitely like a michelle-ass game like you're gonna want to play this game uh-huh. uh <laughs> and it, it's definitely like a very calming and soothing game that i think like if you can just lay back play it for an hour before bed i think it's gonna be a great time hmm. awesome i'm I'm very excited. I mean, the uh, the Switch is like a perfect console for it then because right. you could just sit in bed and play. That's that's pretty amazing. Uh, Josh, you are playing Rogue Legacy 2 by Cello Door Games. I, I, I got to let you know. we Okay, so Josh, a little bit peek behind the curtain in I here, like inside baseball, however people say it. <laughs> uh, we, gotta, we get codes for games, and to make sure that we can both play them, we add them to a Steam account that we both share. Uh, but that means that when I try to play a game, I can kick Josh off, which is often hilarious. But... I specifically did not play any Rogue Legacy 2 because I knew that you were going to want to play it. So, Josh, tell me about Rogue Legacy 2. <laughs> well, thank you because I would have been very upset. But um, <laughs> it was it, – it's so if you're a fan of Rogue Legacy and you've played the game before, or at least the, the previous installment of this, you're going to get essentially the same thing but with – more and improved parts to it so rogue legacy 2 is a early access game right now so it just released i believe it was yesterday so a a couple of days uh ago if you're listening to this episode when it first airs um and it is a roguelite adventure game where you're in this mansion and you're Uh, basically going through a randomly generated mansion where each time you're playing as a character who is also randomly generated based on different classes, based on different traits, uh, based on different abilities that you have. So every time you start, you're going to have three choices where you can pick a character. And the funny thing is like some of those, those abilities and those uh, classes they're normal they're like you get a barbarian who has an axe or you get a archer or a mage but then you'll have your uh, special abilities or these traits that might be great they might be something interesting like you have um, an attack that whenever you hit people it knocks them back farther or it might be something terrible where it's like 
your vision is severely impaired and you have tunnel vision where you can only see in a like a tunnel shaped line and you can't see anything above or below you or there's times where you have the screen that's like intensely bright and it's all based on these weird traits that are just like uh disorders like they have scientific names to them that uh relate to it like you have ones that are ridiculous though at the same time like hyperflatulence and it's just a guy who like every time you jump he'll just randomly fart it just it just happens um but it's it's very much the same thing where it is there's different biomes so just like in the last one you have like uh four biomes or so and you will play them out you'll have these randomly generated rooms that have different things each time and it's it kind of prepares you that you're going to fail they know that you're going to fail like that's just how it works and each time you do fail the rogue light aspect part of it is that you can then take that remaining gold that you had and put it into your upgrades as far as upgrading your character's health, their attack, different classes, different uh, weight capacity that you can then carry items. And then when you actually go into the um, the actual world as your character, you'll then also be able to buy things like different armor, different weapons, different abilities, uh, different, they call them runes, which are these things that will give you like little increased perks. Like every time you kill someone, you get health back or you just get extra gold because you've enabled that perk. Um, the one thing I will say though, it is very early access at this point. It's about $20 on Steam. I think it is discounted a little bit, um, but generally it seems to be at the $20 price point. Right now, the only thing that is finished is the first act, um, which does take a while. It'll take you a couple hours to get through depending on how quick you are and how well you know what exactly you have to do and how easily you defeat the first boss. Um, but the second biome isn't created at all. They, they even have like a little early access note that for some reason the game will crash if they spawn it. So they've, they, when you pass the bridge to go to the second biome, they put you right into the third world. And they, they mentioned that they're like, here's a, a, a sneak preview of some of the areas in the third world, but it's like, it's not fully fleshed out either. Um, so at this point you're, you're getting just that first portion of it. And there's also a lot of classes and abilities that are still locked because this is in early access. So take that with a grain of salt that if you are interested in this, if you know, regular rogue legacy, or you just want to get into a roguelite game, um, it is very much, in early access it's it's not one of those early access games where you're like oh this game is like pretty much finished like this they have a, a good amount of work to do uh with this one that being said the part that is finished though i really enjoyed i i can see that you know it, it might get a little bit uh repetitive at times um but that will be alleviated by those extra classes those extra abilities and things that will come later uh, and I've, I've just beaten the, the boss. So I'm kind of at that point where I think I'm going to put it down for a while and then just wait. And as more patches come out, I'll keep continuing and see how it goes. You said like, uh, one of the things that you can do with like your gold and everything is of course, building up your kind of like mansion or whatever. Yep. Um, and you talked about like other classes. Do you mean that like you can't actually like access the like archer and stuff like that until you unlock them? What did you mean by that? Yeah, so you you have to buy them basically. You as you oh. so it's the same way that it worked in Rogue Legacy One, where when you die, you have to build up this mansion. You you use that gold that you had, and you buy these little perks or these little uh, like upgrades 
to then change your run where your character will have more health, your character will have more attack or whatever it is. Some of those are specific class types that you unlock so that they'll be in the rotation. Because as I mentioned before, every time you start the game, you get three choices and they're randomly generated. And those rotation, those characters that you get will sometimes be specific classes. So sometimes you might get two barbarians and an archer. Sometimes you might get all swordsmen, just the normal class. Sometimes you might get like, it, it depends, it varies. So once you unlock that archer class from the, uh, from the actual castle itself, the archer will then be in that rotation and you'll be able to pick them if they show up. Um, that being said, like, it's not something where you need to worry about where you're like, oh, I don't know if like, it'll take me a while to get these different classes to, to unlock all of the classes. It's fairly cheap and you could probably do it. Like if you had a good run on your first character, you could probably unlock like the majority of the ones that are there from that. So you can't actually play as like the, the mage or the archer until you unlock them until you unlock them. Correct. The good thing about it, the good thing about it is though, when you unlock that class, that first time that you unlock them, the game will ask, hey, do you want to just play as them and change your character to that class to try them out? So it's not something like you buy them and then you're like, I hope I get them eventually. You get to play them right after. So it's not, it's not you know, totally unfair in that way. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Um, and coming from like Rogue Legacy, like the original, you said that um, this game is basically like it's it's that but more yeah how do you feel like the like the combat has changed because from my experience i never like i don't remember actually getting to to play as like an archer or anything like that like a real mage in rogue legacy i basically just only ever played as a swordsman that might be because i'm fucking terrible but (laughs) it might just be that it didn't exist how do you think that the combat has changed and how it feels between the multiple classes well i think a lot of the the differences in in combat like if you're playing as the swordsman there's really not much if you're playing as someone like the bowman the difference is like now you can actually aim your your attack the the mage is a little bit different where you don't really get to aim uh it's just kind of like a a forward blast it's like half melee half ranged attack um but a lot of what's what's changed in that is those abilities that you get so there's two specific spells you'll get each time you play a character and those are also randomly generated as far as like rotating through and so sometimes you'll get like a fireball sometimes you'll get this giant like shield blast sometimes you'll get a uh a giant scream attack that will freeze enemies on the map and it depends on what class you are the like you're more likely to get certain spells if you're a certain class um but that's one of the main changes to like gameplay uh at least the way that i see it a lot of things are are tighter i would say that from a a platforming perspective i think they still need a little bit of tweaking to do there's some of it that just doesn't feel as right as uh i would like it to um but like combat it's it's really very similar in that regards like that's kind of why i was saying if you're a fan of rogue legacy and you really want just like more of that rogue legacy 2 is going to be that thing if you're looking for something that like totally changes the game and is is something completely different you're going to be disappointed like it is very similar in that regards okay cool that's i'm i'm honestly really excited to play this and i'm glad you're putting it down so i can but uh, <laughs> I, i'm i'm so excited to play as these kind of like ranged characters and to see how like exactly the the bowman v- feels like in in combat versus the actual like swordsman or barbarian yeah. however you want to say it i'm gonna i think that's i'm gonna ruin it for you right now uh the archer sucks <laughs> 
You shut your damn mouth. Jeez. <laughs> you kind of ruined my life. Oh, ruined it. Yeah. I, it's uh it it's interesting. Like there's there's little mechanics in it that that I think are really cool about the archer. Like if you jump in the air and shoot your bow, it'll push you backwards. So there's like a little bit of of uh you could do certain things where you can get on a platform that's a little bit farther by shooting your bow at a certain time and like little tweaks to that nature and you technically, you know, you're able to actually angle things, but like it's just so much easier when you do more damage and you're just like right up in their face and just get good at jumping around and just dodging. Yeah, it does seem like there's a lot like, uh, well, you said the platforming needs work, but from what I'm seeing, it seems like there's a lot more to do with platforming in this game than there was in the original. Like watching some gameplay, I see like um, like a barbarian-esque character like jumping up and doing a kind of like a maelstrom ability where they spin in a circle, which gives them air. Yep. Um, and I've also seen like characters do kind of like a pogo ability, like a lot oh, of things. Yeah, that-, that is a that is a good call out. Is that is one of the main things is you. Have- have a a weird like not weird but it's this kick move that you can bounce off enemies or objects so that you can get uh basically not take damage by landing on them and it allows you to traverse uh upwards in many cases to get certain chests or certain like secret areas is that something that all the the characters and classes have yes, like that's yes. just a Every, mechanic yeah that's a mechanic everyone can do that kick oh I like that a lot. Okay, because we we all know here at IndiePod, I freaking hate it when you take damage from touching enemies. I it really <laughs> bothers me. I mean, you'll so. you'll end up doing it a lot, so don't don't get too excited. Well, I'm just yet. saying, it's at least now it's my fault. Yeah. Like it's it's not just in the game kind of a thing. Um, I'm I'm really excited for this game. I think it looks great. I'm super stoked to play. Uh, the last question I had about it is like how something nice about rogue legacy is constantly having like a different character each time and them having those kind of like unique quirks about them like the hyper flatulence or some dumb stuff like that right. like your irritable bowel syndrome and stuff uh how many of those have you seen and like have you had a character that kind of repeated before like does it yeah. feel repetitive uh no it doesn't feel repetitive but you can uh get a repeat of those traits but those traits those traits will stack sometimes so sometimes you can have these combinations of different ones that will happen so like i got one that was so annoying that i literally had to put it down and just be like well this character dies because i'm not going to play a run with it like <laughs> there was there was one where it was the screen is is intensely bright and then i also at the same time had one where any object or enemy close up to you makes it so the game like distorts it and blurs it out so it was just this blurry blinding bright mess and i was like oh this is hurting my eyes i will never i cannot and i just i walked over and just let enemies kill me because i was like i'm not gonna play this my eyes are gonna hurt by the end of a run um (laughs) but at the same time you get some really cool ones you get one where there was like you have a tiny heart like you have a much much smaller health pool but the only thing the only way they'll do damage to you is if they hit you in your heart and it's like this little tiny heart like if you think of like the grinch like that three sizes too small thing it's like that's basically where your character is so you can dodge around it's it's a little strange because you're not used to it so you're still trying to make sure you don't get hit anywhere else but there's little unique things like that um and it's it's interesting because they do kind of like in uh you know we were talking about mortar mortar shell uh, mortal shell 
excuse me, I don't know what happened there, um, how they have the, you don't know what the items are until you use them. It's the same thing. It'll show you the name of it, but it won't tell you what it does to you. Mm. So you have to actually try it to find out and be like, oh, I hate this. I'll never take a character again with it. So sometimes like it becomes that risk reward of what class or what characters you get from those three and being like, all right, well, I got to find out which one works the best for the way that I like to play, like both my style of which class I want versus do they have a really bad trait? Okay, maybe I will go with the archer, even though they're not my favorite class, just because I don't want a character that has that crazy eye like destroying lens to it. So it's it's interesting the way they do it. To your point, uh, I don't think it has become too repetitive but it depends on how much time you put into it right like there's a there's a good amount there and i'm sure they're going to make more but like you could obviously the longer you play this game the more things will repeat i'm i'm super excited about this i think it looks great also like i'm just looking at the game over on its steam page and they currently you know how steam has that like now broadcasting where it's kind of like an essential like a twitch stream where it's like yeah "Yeah, these people are playing it right now you can watch for rogue legacy 2 they have one where like it looks like someone's playing but it's actually like the knight from rogue legacy yeah and it's like entirely animated it's the cutest thing i've ever seen in my life but like it's little pink headphones (laughs) yeah it's awesome and like every time it gets hit or something it makes that kind of like annoying look where it's like (laughs) it's so hilarious um but let's talk about pop-up dungeon by triple b titles i guess i I don't know i'm assuming so so i'll go Um, i'll go really quick about this one because we've talked about it or at least i have in the past uh it's been a while so i bought this way back when they had a kickstarter a long time ago um and it was like their alpha phase that they rolled out and back then pop-up dungeon is this they, they call it a tactical roguelite rpg um and it's it's essentially trying to take tabletop games and turn it into this rpg but this interesting like mix of the two so your when it came in out, out in the alpha, it was like these folded up cardboard type of characters that would walk around and it was these randomly generated worlds where you could pick up to like one to five characters and you would fight a bunch of enemies and it was just world after world after world. There was no real like point to it other than just playing it when they had the alpha. And I still thought it was fun. I still sunk a good amount of time into it. But now that they've actually released it for their 1.0, I just wanted to give them a shout out and say like, if you've heard about this or if... Uh, you know, you heard about it before when I talked about it and you didn't get excited now, you should, or then you should now because the 1.0 takes that and makes it so much better. They they took that basic like framework, that foundation, and then they layered all of this story beats and this content on top of that where you have just this, this giant, uh, kind of like a tabletop game where you have these little cards that will, will, tell you some sort of story and they'll they'll give you some kind of quest or thing to do and then you'll have a number of choices that you have to make and based on that choice you might have to roll a die and based on how well you do on that roll you'll uh, either succeed or you'll fail and then it will change the story and then anytime you get into a battle in that that you know that story or those card flips then you go into this pop-up dungeon area where you're able to move those characters and fight on this tactic based uh, RPG type game um, but they've included so much to it. I think they've they've really upped their game from what the alpha was. And there's so many editor pieces in here that is it's insanely 
crazy how much you can do if you're just looking to have like a, a game where you can build out so many different things like you can build all the characters you can want you can build out stories they they even i've seen a video of i think it was the developers might have showcased it or someone showcased it where someone built a dating sim game inside this using the the framework that they have like there's a lot of room for unique things and i can't wait to see what the uh like the community actually builds so that i could just download it from the steam workshop <laughs> it looks really weird i i'm looking at it on on steam and i saw that like you could take pictures of yourself and put it in the game yes. and yes. it will like fold a character out of you yeah that's really what like I'm the so creepy it's yeah visually it's so cool like i think it's such a unique way of showcasing this of trying to be that like tabletop game but also keeping it to the video game side of things i think that it's very cleverly written in a lot of the areas that they now have story there's a lot of humor uh in this game as far as just the characters themselves um and there's a lot of there's a lot of variety with playing with these characters and building out the you know you can build whatever you want if you're really that creative type so like i definitely recommend recommend this game i've i've had a lot of fun with it back when it was just the alpha and now the 1.0 the actual official release this launch of it it has just so much more content included awesome uh if you are interested in pop-up dungeon it's over on steam uh for 24.99 so the game a couple games that i have played before we hop into the main news stories um i wanted to give a quick update of a game that i played last week but of course that's what i'm trying to do now is to always update the next week so every game we get we at least talk about it twice or or yeah just uh, well i do because josh generally actually finishes fucking games and i don't but (laughs) there's that um but i want to talk about lorero a little bit more um the update to it i actually have not beaten it last week i said i more than likely would but this week i tried to and it pissed me off to the point where i decided i was not going to beat it because um i'm I'm in this section of the game where i like uh, i still think that it's a good game i think that people should play it but i'm in the section of the game where you have to go through and you have to collect these like little like slimes essentially and you have to insert them into a pedestal uh, which then I'm assuming will allow me to progress through the world so that I can gain like the the last little piece to a puzzle and open the door to the last boss. So I'm fairly close as far as I know to the end of the game but it's super annoying because these little blobs I have to collect them but normally like the items that you would grab onto like balloons and stuff like that um if you're trying to if you die with them but you got to a save point when you show up again you'll be at that save point with the item but for this these blobs end up disappearing and going back where they were so i have to like go from that save point all the way back to where the blob was get it go back and just try not to die with it which is super annoying because this one specific blob is in an area where like there's two ghosts you grab the blob and i figured a pretty good way around that you just like hop up you hit one of the ghosts you jump over the other one and you can get out of there very quickly (laughs) then the most annoying part happens where you have to get through this little like platforming puzzle it's only one section it should not be this hard but there's a section where it's a pit 
and then a pillar basically and that happens twice there are three pits and two pillars but in the pits there are like thorns like spines and at the top of each one of the pillars there are thorns like spines but you can't hit the roof of the like little level that they have because it's metal so you can only attach your hook to these like these kind of pillars so what you have to do is you have to fall and then attach it to one of the pillars and use your kind of like momentum enhancing uh like basically your rope that allows you to like shimmy up it very quickly so that you gain enough momentum to launch yourself over the like this pillar and over to the next one you do the same thing but the issue i'm having is and it only happens sometimes which <laughs> bothers the shit out of me but the issue i'm having is that i'll drop down and i'll attach it i'll shoot up and i get up next to the top of the like basically the the top of this pillar and then i die over and over and over and over again because the thorns kill me but it doesn't happen all the time it's only happened like basically it happens like three out of five times and it annoys the shit out of me when it doesn't because i will get through like the first pillar but then the second one kills me and i'm like oh my freaking god <laughs> so then i have to go back up to grab this blob to go down to die again and do it over and over and over and over again and it's just it bothered me to the point where i was like no i'm not going to um i might try it again and i might try to use like my fists to then like because you can hook onto things and use that kind of like pound ability it's it's like a it's a leaf fist i don't know what to call it but you can use it to gain momentum so maybe i'll attach it to a pillar and then shoot that at the pillar to then gain momentum and flip over but i don't know dude this shit's pissing me off i'm I'm like ready to be done with it uh, at this point. It's it's bothering the shit out of me. But that's my update. Of course, uh, that is by 96 Brothers. That's the developer. And we are going to be doing a giveaway for that starting the Saturday after this airs. So it'll be the next day after it airs. So make sure you follow us at IndiePod for all of our indie game giveaways. I love I love that you're just like, I fucking hate this game. Also, know, we're giving dude. it away. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I, I feel it's a little okay. bit Bond's bad about bad that sometimes. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it's 100% because I'm bad at them. Okay, it's not like... This isn't a... It's only a few times actually been an issue with the game itself. Otherwise, it's 90% my fault. That's... <laughs> That's mostly why I try to like, it's kind of like the first update. The first time I play a game, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Like you should play it. The second time the update is always like, man, this, this fucking game's pissing me off. <laughs> so that's fun. But hey, it's a free game anyway. Like, hey, even if I don't like it, maybe you will. So enter sure. the giveaway. It's, it's not like it's really hurting you to like and retweet something and to follow us. If anything, it's just helping. You get to know about indie games. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is kind of hilarious. I will admit that. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the, uh, the game I actually played a lot of this week, I put like probably five or six hours into it, is I believe it's actually, you're supposed to pronounce it resolution, but I'm not 100% sure since it has two eyes. I don't know if that's meant to be... That's how, that's how I've been pronouncing it. I reviewed this back when it came out, I think, in March? May. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I guess that's how you're supposed to say it. I have no idea. <laughs> um, But uh, Resolution by Monolith of Minds. Since you reviewed it, you can tell me. What the fuck is this game about? I literally uh, have uh, no idea. Uh, it's it's very ambiguous in that sense. I, it's, I think it's very much more in the gameplay realm because its story is kind of just 
all over the place. It was one of my one of my critiques of it, and uh, I ran into a few instances where I think I surpassed a puzzle I wasn't supposed to surpass. Uh, so it's it wasn't too polished, at least when I played it back in March. I don't know if it's gotten any better, uh, but it essentially was what like a hyperlight drifter indie game, right? Or a, a, another indie game, very much like hyperlight drifter. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. It's like it seems like the visual style in a lot of the game is like heavily inspired by Hyperlight Drifter, but ha- the my biggest issue with the game is that it tries to take the same approach to kind of storytelling and directing you through the world that Hyperlight Drifter does, but adds like Metroidvania elements where you have to gain certain abilities to go to additional like places within the map, but doesn't actually like the the map isn't very good and also like at times I've literally like at the moment I'm just lost. I have no idea where to go. Whereas on Hyperlight Drifter, um, it actually like in the beginning of the game, it tells you exactly what you need to do. You need to go and activate these like basically these kind of like pillars or these cases to then in the end fight the immortal cell, which it like labels them on your map. Resolution does a similar thing where it labels you on your map, but when I go there, there is nothing there. Yeah, I literally like, have no I, idea. If I recall correctly, it'll tell you like with a dot or something like this thing is going to have another door, and then you go there, you're like, "Where's this door?" I know it's here because it tells me there's a door here, but I'm like, I'm going through the edges of the map. I'm like, "Where is it hiding?" Um, yeah, and this is very ambiguous with its storytelling to the point where like, I don't know if you got, have you ran into the giant cat thing yet? Yeah, I have no idea what that shit is. Yeah, exactly. Is. You're just like, you're like, hmm, I'm trying to find this area. I'm running through the desert. What the fuck is this? There's, that's a tail. Oh, shit, it's a cat. Why is there a giant cat in the desert? And, like, you don't really find out at that moment. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's so very weird. weirdly ambiguous. Like, that moment with this giant cat, if you attack it, it puts you into this like hallucinogenic state where you're all of your controls which is the most annoying thing ever by the way um which it puts all your controls in the exact opposite so if you want to go right you have to click left and it's super annoying i hate it but then like it's just so weird this cat pursues you the entire time and you're like what is this freaking cat why is it like burrowing through the sand it's gigantic it's so weird and like this game is just, it's so odd. It tries to take the same approach that Hyperlight Drifter does, but Hyperlight Drifter literally has no words and it makes so much more sense than this game that actually has words. It has written text and dialogue, but I have no idea what this game is about. It's like so unnecessarily ambiguous that I'm just like, I, I don't know what to do in this game. I don't know how to progress. I, I literally don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. And it tries to do a lot of things like Hyperlight Drifter does where um, it's, it's combat is very interesting. Uh, but super boring at the same time. I'm going to have to say that right now with the few abilities that I have, it is not that exciting where you start off the game. Uh, so like in Hyperlight Drifter, you have your sword and you have a gun and to use your gun, you have to use the sword. You have to slash people and then you gain energy to then use your gun. This game does not do that or it does in a similar way where you have claws that do the same three basic attacks the entire time that you try to use them until you get like kind of uh, strength enhancing abilities. 
that just like adds small bits to it, but otherwise it feels really button mashy and you don't even actually have to click the button. You can just hold it down and your character will continually attack, which was very weird to figure out because I was like, so you, it seems like, you know, your game is button mashy. So to get around that, you just made it to where I don't actually have to touch the button. Instead, I can just hold it. Like it's super, it's odd and it's uncomfortable. And then the, the gun that you get also has like an energy mechanic, but it's based kind of on stamina, like all your other abilities, where like you can only shoot the gun a limited amount of times until you get an increased amount of stamina and then you can shoot it a little bit more. But then your dash mechanic is also based on your stamina, which it tries to be similar to like Hyper Light Drifter's dash, but its dash is actually much more interesting where like um, in resolution you kind of just you move quickly it's not it's kind of like you're running versus hyperlight drifter is in a sense like a lunge in different directions which if you get an ability you can then chain it to actually just shoot across the map if you do it correctly and you just go from like one direction to the next to the next to the next to the next and you gain speed each time you use it and it's not based on like a stamina bar like resolution is but Currently, I I find the story super ambiguous and I have literally no idea what to do because it like its map is not great. It's like uh, it's markers to tell you where to go. I literally like like I said earlier and like we said, I'll show up and nothing will be there. Like it, it, it told me like, oh, you need to gain memories. You have to go find a friend. So I go there and on the map where it says they are, there's no one there. And I was like, what? What am I supposed to do right now? I don't get it. So at this point, I'm just kind of walking around trying to like go into doors to see if they lead to anything else. Like I honestly have no idea what to do anymore. And everything is blocked off by these like pieces of rusty metal that I don't know how to get past. Like it seems like I need an ability, but I have no idea where it is. I don't know what I'm doing. There's no real story incentive for me to move on because I don't know what the story is and the gameplay is not exciting. So I literally do not understand the allure of this video game. So what do you say? I, 10 out of 10? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying right now, I feel like this is not one where I'm talking shit about it because I'm bad at video games. I just do not understand this video game. Are you Ow. giving this one away too? I, I'm going to admit, I think we are. I'm not even joking. I think we do have a code to give away. I'm going to play it more on, you gotta to stop see this. if it gets better. <laughs> but it's just like, I don't understand. Like, I, Louise, you, you reviewed it. Can you, can you say anything different about the combat of the story? Like, I think the Metroidvania aspects get better over time. But yeah, the story is just like weird. And like, I did play this back, what, we're in, august now so like five months ago i'm trying to remember it i think its introduction is probably the best uh representation of how ambiguous the game is i think if i remember correctly you're playing soccer you move to the right and then you just teleport to literally somewhere else and you're just like i don't know why the hell i was playing soccer just now but i'm not doing it now now i have a sword uh (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what's going on. And you, you don't really come back to that soccer thing like at all. You're just like, what just happened? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. You just like show up and then you're like this killer. 
and everyone talks about how you're a murderer it seems like everyone knows you but you don't know any of them they talk about your memories but when it says to go a place to get these memories when you show up you don't even actually see them like sometimes it says that you get a memory and i i'm like do i get to know what it is or like nothing i i don't even know dude it's crazy. I, I'm i going to play more just because I am intrigued by the art style and I love Hyperlight Drifters. So I'm, and you say the Metroidvania mechanics get a little bit better. Currently, I'm, I'm not enjoying it, but hopefully it gets better to the point where when we give away this game, oh I feel better about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but once again, it's a free game. So shoot your mouth. Just freaking enter the giveaway. Uh, but... Let's move on to our main news stories. Our first news story is over on IGN. It is written by Jonathan Dornbush. And this one, I'm just going to talk about the highlights and then ask you guys if there are anything like within the like uh, Indie World Direct that really stood out to you. Uh, so just just letting everyone know um so of course on august 18th there was an indie world showcase that had a lot of stuff i believe it went for like 40 minutes or an hour like it was i i believe so i'm not 100 this one sure, no but, this uh, was like 20 minutes was it yeah mm. huh um well i i didn't actually get to watch it i just got like the twitter notifications for indie world and they did like they really sparsed out their tweets. Mm -hmm. It was kind of interesting about the different stuff. So maybe that's just why it felt like elongated to me. <laughs> um, but onto the news that was actually like showcased in it. Um, one of the bits was that uh, Hades is actually coming to the Nintendo Switch as well as other consoles uh, sometime this fall. That Hyperspace Outlaw by No More Robots is headed to uh, the Nintendo Switch on August 27th. That Spiritfarer is now available on PC and Nintendo Switch. That was just shadow, shadow dropped, like we said earlier, which is pretty exciting. Um, it's the also Garden part of Game Story, Pass. So if you have a Game Pass. Oh. game pass it's you already have it there you go that's pretty exciting did they reveal that within the nintendo like indie world thing or is that just i think that was just something them on twitter no, just that, thing, they yeah. wouldn't put that on, on nintendo stream okay cool well, i mean you never know there was like that entire rumor of xbox live coming to that like, would not nintendo happen. switch so oh yeah i doubt it no would way. but it's just weird i don't know <laughs> um but uh, that Garden Story is coming to the Nintendo Switch uh, and, of course, PC when it releases sometime in 2021. That Subnautica and its follow-up, Subnautica Below Zero, are both headed to the Nintendo Switch in uh, 2021, I believe. I, I don't know if Subnautica itself is going to be on the Switch earlier, but seemingly they're both going to be on at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, Takeshi and Hiroshi, which is like a new adventure, um, like seemingly like an action adventure game uh, where you play like claymation like characters uh, that is coming to the Nintendo Switch and it's actually there right now. So you can go there and play it. It looked kind of interesting. I liked the art style a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm interested to see what it's like. Uh, Raji or Ra Raji. I don't know how to say that. Um, Raji. An ancient. Oh, there you go. Raji. Uh, an ancient epic uh, is a timed exclusive on the Nintendo Switch, um, and it is currently available, so you just go there. I believe it's a console exclusive, so it's probably available on PC, specifically like that wording, I'm assuming that it is. Uh, mm, Bear check. and Breakfast, uh, which 
is uh, ever wanted to run a bed and breakfast with bears? Yeah, seemingly it's pretty self-explanatory. Bear and breakfast. Um, it is a console exclusive and it's coming to the Switch sometime in 2021. A short hike, which is previously only on PC, is now on the Nintendo Switch, which is very exciting. I believe it was my indie game of the year of 2019. I very much enjoyed it and I would recommend everyone check it out. Um, you've got Card Shark, which is an up-and-coming game by uh, creators of Reigns and publisher published by Devolver Digital. It is slated to release sometime in 2021 on the Nintendo Switch and I'm assuming PC. And Torchlight 3 is headed to the Nintendo Switch sometime this fall as well as like Manifold Garden is available today as well as like Evergate also available today untitled goose game is getting an update which allows you to have two players that co-op update is actually coming on september 23rd and some very quick stuff that they did in a like um in a montage is that haven is coming to the nintendo switch later this year going under is headed to the nintendo switch uh september 24th the red lantern is coming in autumn of 2020 unrailed is coming september 23rd and it has a demo out right now uh struggling is coming on august 27th inmost on august 21st she dreams elsewhere early 2021 that is also coming to pc uh grindstone which i believe is only available on the apple arcade yep. is coming to the nintendo switch in autumn 2020 and goner 2 is headed to the nintendo switch in autumn 2020 which i believe goner 2 uh was one of the games revealed in uh the devolver direct this year not too long ago um so that is the wrap-up of all the news in the nintendo direct louise was there anything in it that actually like really stood out to you um i really like spirit far uh at least like i was really excited for it i played a bit of it so far uh so that was something i was really excited for subnautica and subnautica below zero i'm personally not too into but my girlfriend really is so i got excited to see that come to switch i just bought her a switch light yeah i I don't know (laughs) it's just not really a me type of game but she's very oddly into it uh i'm happy that she'll be able to play it on switch i guess just watching that kind of stuff makes me like you get that tense like i can't breathe kind of feeling and i'm like <gasps> so <laughs> like she also like had so, some sort of like fear of that game because i think she 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 thinks it's like scary in some sense how things just kind of come at you mm-hmm. uh but she's slowly been getting better at it i got her the pc version through game pass so she was playing it on my pc for a while um yep. i, I guess she'll probably yeah i guess she'll probably end up playing it on switch soon um <laughs> Takeshi and Hiroshi uh, is interesting because, yeah, I think it's part of the whole trend of like everything that launched on Apple Arcade is now slowly coming to Switch. And I think it feels kind of better on Switch. Uh, What the Golf was an example of that. Takeshi and Hiroshi are, yeah, Takeshi and Hiroshi are just like another example of more Apple Arcade games coming to Switch. I have Raji. I have not started it. It's just there for whenever I catch up on my current embargoes, but eventually i will play it and uh a short hike i just gotta say go play it it's it's very short you can beat it in like an hour or two go play it's it's worth it yeah i absolutely agree uh josh was there anything in the indie world showcase that stood out to you um well first off i just want to say that it's pretty funny that nintendo's most amazing direct in about a year was literally this which had nothing to do with nintendo itself (laughs) <laughs> um 
I mean, and there's the whole like, come on, Nintendo, what are you doing? But, but like, this was actually done really well. Like, I love the pacing of this. I think they, they really nailed it down with the actual, like, what is the game to start with? What is the big game to end with? And the pacing of, you know, what comes in between, like they nailed it. Uh, As far as games that really excited me, honestly, a lot of the games that excite me are kind of on the Apple Arcade that are now getting pushed to Switch piece that you mentioned. Because, like, I've never gotten a chance to try Grindstone. I really want to get into this Takashi and Hiroshi game. Uh, The only other one that... And I don't even know. I don't think this is from Apple Arcade, but I know this has been out before, is Manifold Garden. Just because I love these weird, trippy, like, perception games. Yeah, actually, if you think about that, that... That's totally like a thing my girlfriend would be into. She liked uh, she liked watching me play. Uh, was it subliminal? Oh, so subliminal to- was yeah, really good. Totally yeah. something I think she'd probably want to play. Uh, for me, I feel pretty much the same way that you did, Josh. I'm the thing I was most excited about coming out of this indie director. Actually, the games coming from Apple Arcade, like Grindstone and the Takeshi and Hiroshi. Honestly, having looked more at that game, it looks awesome. And it sucks so bad that it's not on PC, but I do have a Nintendo Switch, even though I don't play it that often. So <laughs> I'm actually like really excited to pick it up. Plus, it's like only $9 or something like that. Um, I think it's $8.99 with a 10% discount. and It's $9.99 typically. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to play it i think the like claymation aspect of it looks really cool and then the battles are in like much more of like uh like an anime aesthetic but more of like a chibi anime aesthetic which i think is really cool and cute Mm -hmm. um otherwise uh nothing like exactly stood out to me other than like a short hike coming to switch which just means more people get to play that amazing game hades coming to switch which i'm i i'm just excited for that like i i'm could play it on pc and i could play it on the nintendo switch i'll more than likely get it on pc but once again it's just like it feels like the nintendo switch is a perfect place to have like a roguelike game like hades so actually you made a good point about the pc thing uh correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't that game support the cross save between pc and switch hades yeah hades i think it i think they did mention that I know they mentioned it for one of these games. I think it was Hades. Yeah, I want to say it was Hades, and it will go from... Yeah, because I specifically think they mentioned in there that like you had to have both copies, but if you have the PC version, you can transfer all that content back to the actual Switch itself. Yeah, so I guess that's an incentive to pick it up if you want to... Like, if you're really into it on PC, but you want to play it on the go, you can just hot swap between the saves on both platforms. Right. Yeah, you you are right. Uh, Super Giants Games Hades is coming to the Switch and will offer cross save with the PC version, seemingly yeah. like specifically just the PC version. I'm assuming because it is uh, with this 1.0 launch, it is also coming to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Uh, but I don't know if mm-hmm. uh, at least currently it doesn't seem like the cross save is actually going to work with them mm-hmm. or just the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm not sure. Uh, by the way, quick shout out before we go to the next article. If your girlfriend did like Superliminal, I would say if she hasn't or you don't know about it, pick up Antichamber. Oh, yeah, I do have it. I think I have it on PC, actually. That but game is so good. Good recommendation. I've been meaning to just play Portal Co-op with her and I've yet to oh, do yeah. so eventually. Yeah, that- <laughs> That's another good one. Our next news story is over on Polygon. It is written by Owen S. Good, and it is Firewatch movie back 
Um, back on with new producers a firewatch movie adaptation first floated about four years ago uh has a new production company the hollywood reporter reports that snoot entertainment which produced 2018's blind spotting is in charge of the movie uh sean vanneman and jake rodkin uh campo santos director and designer on firewatch are among the producers snoot entertainment is contributing uh Keith Calder, I guess, uh, and Jess Wu, Jess Wu Calder, I guess, I, I don't really know, um, who also produced 2016 Blair Witch Reboot. Vanaman is uh, in a statement with THR said Jess and Keith are hardworking and uh, visionary film producers and the Campo Santo and that Campo Santo knew in our first conversation that they'd make great partners. Uh, the Calders called Firewatch a beautiful and heartbreaking piece of art in a comment to THR. Uh, I don't really there's a lot in this article that I don't feel like I need to actually talk about specifically. Um, but I did want to talk about like do you think that like this movie getting made, do you think it'll kind of like stumble into issues with Campo Santo now being like a part of valve instead, like uh, possibly some issues with like IP um, because seemingly beforehand this being floated four years ago, that was before valve actually purchased Campo Santo. Uh, so what do you think Louise? Well, if I read, read this article correctly, valve got back the rights to the film when they bought Campo Santo so I'm assuming that this whole production switch was in the favor of what Valve wanted in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had, I pretty much have no idea what, what was going on with production of this film. I just knew it was happening and I hadn't heard anything since then. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page with, with your point just because I feel like this becoming like a thing in the news would only happen if there was... Uh, you know, to to the same part of like Valve getting their way, I don't think we would see anything or any movement on it unless it was that way. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, the no one would really say anything about it if there wasn't like an actual way that they could continue to work on this. And I doubt producers would attach themselves to the project right. with like so many issues, kind of a thing. Do you like one of the big issues with? firewatch without kind of like ruining it is the like twist not twist ending do you think that like knowing that this is going to be a movie adaptation do you think that it's going to be kind of true to the video game or do you think that they're going to change anything like do you think that they're going to change that either one of you guys (laughs) (laughs) i mean i haven't played the game so i can't talk much to the actual story of it with i guess with being have you played it louise yeah while trying to be vague as possible for not spoiling anything, um, I imagine they'll follow through with it, but still have their own interpretation of the story by changing things in the middle. Because, um, I mean, that ending is so core to that game that I, I can't imagine they'll change it. Because uh, it, then it just wouldn't really feel like a Firewatch movie to me. Um, but with any production, I totally expect them to change something with like the characters or maybe the way they're presented. Um, in terms of personality, but I guess only time will tell. Did you enjoy Firewatch when you played it? Because I know a lot of people, like, the ending kind of ruined it for them. What did you, like, did you enjoy the game? Uh, I think it grew on me the longer I kind of sat on the ending, because uh, I I understand, like, I guess the uh, the initial reaction to that. 
Um, but over time, especially like after watching other people's interpretations of it, I kind of grew more fond of the game. And I think that's sort of like the case with like really how, what type of films would be like this? Like films that tackle subjects that aren't, aren't always super clear and you always have to go watch like a something explained movie or video on YouTube right after you watch the film and it's like an hour long. It's like, did you miss this detail? And this is like symbolic for this thing. Uh, that's sort of how I felt about Firewatch is that the more I heard other people's interpretations and analysis of the game, the more I think I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It is kind of something like, um, I mean, this is entirely different, but it's, it's kind of something that's the, the, it get, it only gets better with conversation um in a sense like like how i felt about the last of us 2 i felt like the the conversation was very very worthwhile and kind of enhanced the experience that i had with the video game um which kind of leads into the whole like wanting to be part of the conversation and all sorts of stuff uh specifically firewatch i'm actually really excited to see like a firewatch movie because i was a big fan of the game itself so i'm so excited to see how that gets like transferred and adapted uh to the big screen and also like i feel like it's one of the games that uh there there's kind of a big push like for all of these video game movies to instead be made into tv shows because it's hard to fit like these entire worlds and everything into a two-hour movie or a one and a half hour movie or whatever but i feel like firewatch is actually like kind of perfect for a movie adaptation instead of a tv show because i feel like a tv show would add so much additional fluff versus a movie could get to the heart of the game and still kind of pursue that really well uh so i'm super excited (laughs) i think the movie will be really cool personally and i'm excited to see what kind of like visual flair they add to it if it's just going to be kind of like oh it's it's just a live action movie there's nothing exciting versus like firewatch visually is very beautiful Mm -hmm. and really weird at the same time so yeah and i guess i think it'll be awesome to your point firewatch you can be in like six hours so i think it is something you could you know with enough moving around could fit into a two-hour movie uh gap and still tell a story really well whereas opposed to uh, like the last of us is getting a a tv show made and i'm happy it's a tv show and not a two-hour film because that game is what like 15 hours its sequel was like almost 30 at this point like that that feels like exaggerated to the point like no there's no way you could just make a film about this whole thing uh where this seems more doable yeah i mean it's also because they don't actually have to tell the story of the world they are like they're fire watchers like that's a job that we have in real life they don't have to explain an apocalyptic world and how all of that works instead it's pretty straightforward and you just get to pursue the story itself and all of its intrigue so i i'm very excited i think it's gonna be awesome uh but Moving on to our last news story for today is over on GameSpot. It's written by Jeremy Winslow, and it is Fall Guys could repurpose or retire levels in the future. I did want to ask beforehand, Luis, have you played Fall Guys at all? Yes, I love that game. But actually, one of my biggest critiques was like the lack of diversity in some of the maps. So this is pretty exciting. Awesome. Josh, have you played it yet? No, I still haven't had a chance to try it out. Yeah, like neither of us have played it yet, but I hear amazing things about it. Like I let my PlayStation Plus expire because I no longer really play my mm-hmm. my PlayStation 4. So I 
I could pay 20 bucks for it right now, but I also just started playing like uh, Remnant and all sorts of indie games. So it's like, ah, I really want to play Fall Guys, <laughs> but it's not something I have to get into literally right now. Uh, but the article goes on to say uh, during a 40 minute interview with the MinMax show, Mediatonic senior designer Joe Walsh said uh, there may come a point where some Fall Guys levels could get repurposed or retired altogether. This is a quote. Um, I would be very happy to be at a point where we have so many levels that it's time to start retiring some, Walsh said. I think we're a way off, probably. I mean, we're going to keep an eye on it and if there are ones that don't stand the test of time, we can either repurpose them or change them and stuff like that. Uh, I think that it's totally on the table, but for now, we can see the best version of Fall Guys as you press and go. Yeah, as as you press go, and there are a hundred variations of that first level or something like that. Uh, while it remains unclear how many levels Mediatonic... Uh, has in development for Fall Guys at the moment. The studio already confirmed that they're uh, that the game will receive one new level in an upcoming update, which we talked about last week. Uh, it was one of like the fan favorites during the beta. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not all Walsh discussed in the interview. Uh, it kind of goes on to talk about a little bit more, like they are possibly thinking about like things in the future, like cross saves uh, or crossplay squads and ranked modes um, and uh, like a the possibility of a level editor which I think would be really cool and add to like I, I mean if it ever had a content problem um, and didn't have enough levels like how Louise you were talking about the, the variations of levels I think like a level editor would be very cool like the community could create mm. all sorts of them as well as uh, Walsh or I believe someone else no Walsh said uh, that he kind of like in this same interview talked about how the hexagon mini game was created. And it was actually because, um, they're watching like a Minecraft mini game tournament online where a certain, like the TNT run was like vaguely similar. And that gave them the idea for that specific thing. And also said, uh, that they have no plans currently of going free to play, uh, which is interesting. I, I think this game would actually work really well for free to play, but I mean that would just like overload their servers now anyway. Um because like freaking it's it's having issues between just PC and PlayStation 4, let alone they are planning on coming to more consoles and making it free to play. Um I, I imagine they could make it free to play once they beef up their servers a bit, but there's that. One thing I did have an issue with this article though is that I did want to point out that it says like amassing 1.5 million players across PlayStation 4 and Steam. There are a bunch of reports that say that the 1.5 to 2 million players are actually only on Steam. That's that number specifically because we don't know how many people are playing on PlayStation because supposedly Sony will not release that information because it's a PlayStation Plus game. Um, So there's possibly even more than 2 million or like 1.5. There's a lot of people playing this game. Uh, But Louise... What what are your more in-depth thoughts on the possibility of like retiring, repurposing, or just getting a shitload of new levels? Uh, I know a lot of people hate the the soccer mini game, so if they like just <laughs> rip, if they rip out the soccer and just keep the stadium, make it something else, totally okay with that. Very happy to hear. Uh, they make it football. Yeah, you're like fuck. They, you didn't understand the issue. They, they, they make everything. They make it something else, but. I don't know. Uh, I'm happy that they're adding more content to it because 
I mean, I was playing this for review before it came out, so we didn't have that gigantic player base and I didn't run into the server issues. But now that there's more people playing it, I think, you know, there's that strive for more content uh, because the turnaround or gameplay loop is pretty quick with this one. Um, and I, in retrospective too, I don't, I don't think the developers foresaw how big this game was going to be. No like, like I just saw today that I think 30 days ago, their account was at 14,000 followers on Twitter. It just hit 1 million today. Like that's an insane, yeah, that's an insane amount of growth. Uh, funny enough, I was looking at the replies to their tweet announcement. Cyberpunk uh, replied back. They're at 900,000 followers. So, you know, to put some perspective that Fall Guys is currently has a bigger Twitter following than Cyberpunk 2077. Right. Like that's insane to me that this small little indie game just blew up this quickly. Uh, but I'm happy for the team and I'm hoping that they use that newfound success to further the content on the game. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's super cool. I'd love to see uh, that one part about a level editor because I think this is the way to really get around that, especially as an indie team. Like you don't have enough and obviously because they're being successful, they're going to be able to expand their team possibly or find ways to uh, beef up their game, however that is. But I think a level editor is a great way to do it without even needing like more people on your team, but actually getting the community to do it. Because if you have people who are already invested in the game and already love the world around it, they're going to create things that they want to see that they think are just cool. And all you have to do is slap some kind of community voting system around that and have some kind of like weekly or, or monthly system where based on the top voted levels that the fans create then get rotated into actual like official mode like they would just have to do like official mode or actual like uh, you know these level editor modes where you have uh, a rotation of any of these ones that are created and then for the official games they could just pull in different ones and that would make it so for those people who don't want to play possibly you know a, a ton of random just dick levels they could just wait until <laughs> the the good ones that aren't just those actually get rotated into the normally uh, designed levels. And then it would just be like the best of both worlds because they can work on focusing on how they want to balance levels and also get an influx of that content as well on the side so that you just have this constant flow of just a bunch of different new unique experiences that rotate and make this game so good at, about like it plays into what this game does well, which is those tiny mini games. Like this is an experience of tiny snippets of enjoyable experiences, right? So like having just a, a endless amount of that makes it so this is the way that this game can continue and actually have that longevity that a lot of people are questioning whether or not this will stick around or not. Did either of you guys see, this is an aside, but I just wanted to know about it before we move on to news cram. Did either of you see that Fall Guys has kind of taken this like massive amount of clout and this new uh, kind of position that they have and are channeling that into possibly like getting like money for different charities by how last week we were talking about that a lot of different brands want their kind of like costume want their brand put within fall guys so that the uh the the fall guys twitter i believe like kind of asked and they were like hey 
how much money would you donate to a certain like different like uh different causes to get your brand in our game and a bunch of different like uh companies were like oh i'd give like a hundred thousand i would give like a whole lot more it's kind of crazy like people are willing to donate a bunch of money to just be like put in fall guys that's insane where's the news article about that i think it's currently at like two hundred thousand. if i that's like the last number i saw yeah, I think uh, the last one I saw was like Mr. Beast at over like a hundred thousand, but seemingly if it went up to like two hundred thousand, damn, they're just like consistently one upping each other, which is outrageous. <laughs> but now it's time for us to hop into news cram. News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of IndiePod and Indie Games Podcast and guest, uh, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news this week. In News Cram, we have a couple of quick news stories. We have a new deal in Quick Steel and a whole lot of new stuff. So pretty much as per usual. Uh, to start off News Cram, our first quick news story for today comes from GameSpot, where it's reported that Brian O'Malley, creator of the Scott Pilgrim series, went to Twitter to say that Ubisoft has officially reached out to him. Um, that's literally all he said, is that they reached <laughs> out to him. Uh, meaning to that it is continued. very possible that we will... Yeah, exactly. That uh, we'll see a port of the Scott Pilgrim versus the World the game on either modern or possibly like future consoles. Nobody knows because they're just talking. They're reaching know. out. I, I don't hope know. so. Louise, have you played the Scott Pilgrim versus the World game? I think I have it downloaded on my PS3, but I haven't played it in a long time. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like it's on my console, so like if I ever sold my console and for some reason didn't delete my account it's probably worth like an extra dollar now <laughs> it's like pt yeah, having that demo on your console exactly <laughs> yeah i've never played it and people like people talk it up they're like it's so amazing so i hope that this happens so i can one day play this freaking game that people <laughs> won't shut up about it's good man it's outrageous and that soundtrack oh so good Jeez. Uh, and over on Twinfinite, it's reported that those who purchase Kana or Kana, I don't know, Kana Bridge of Spirits by Ember Lab on PlayStation 4 will likely receive a free upgrade to PlayStation 5, which is pretty exciting. I like the whole like smart deliver. What the fuck did I just say? <laughs> smart delivery um, and kind of like the 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 ripples that that created with microsoft announcing that yeah. where like not even just microsoft but other platform holders are also offering or other developers and platform holders are offering like kind of smart delivery-esque things with the exception of the way that control is doing it because you're literally just buying a game either way <laughs> you're just you're buying it on new consoles but you're buying it on fucking playstation 4 and then they're it's weird right it's so odd i know say what you I will about microsoft that. though but they're making waves in the game space Oh, definitely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, now on to some new deals and quick steals. Uh, our first and only deal of this week comes by way of GameSpot, where it's reported that Enter the Gungeon by Dodge Roll and God's Trigger by One More Level will be free on the Epic Game Store from August 20th to the 27th. Now on to some new stuff. Our first two items in new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that action roguelike collapsed by Glaive Games is headed to the Nintendo Switch on August 29th. That, uh, or, and that, uh, co-op, 
couch co-op party game Boomerang Foo by Cranky Watermelon is now available on the Nintendo Switch and PC via Steam for $14.99. Now over on Twinfinite, where it's reported that Sense, a cyberpunk ghost story by Sazaku, I don't know how to say that, uh, is headed to the PC via Steam on August 25th. Uh, that adventure rpg she dreams elsewhere by studio zever i don't don't know how to say that either uh is headed to the nintendo switch xbox one and pc via steam sometime in early 2021 and lastly that the bullet kin from dodge rolls enter the gungeon is now a costume in fall guys seemingly they did not have to donate to get it they're just like hey we're devolver buddies yeah i was gonna say they're part of devolver so i feel like that just kind of goes hand in hand I kind of oh, assumed, like, we'll what if they put a carry-on suit? Oh, yeah. that'd be so gross. <laughs> I want, like, a Pedro be... banana. Oh, that's good, That too. would be interesting. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Do you think it would be, like... That should be a feature. Yeah, do you think it would be, like, you're dressed as the, the character, but then you have a banana floating around you, or would you be the banana? I just want, like, a banana. Like, just a, a giant version <laughs> of the banana. Straight face, same as the banana. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, now over on IGN where it's reported that a sports story by Sidebar Games has officially been delayed ah, indefinitely. Sorry, that hurt. <laughs> nah, dude. I get it. Everybody, like, uh, there's so many people who loved Golf Story that I feel like this just hurts. It just hurts. It cuts people deep. And I get it. Um, and to round out the group over on GameSpot, it's reported that retro roguelike twin stick shooter Demons Ate My Neighbors, which is actually, it's has an explanation point. So let me do this again because I did it incorrectly. Demons Ate My Neighbors! Nice. <laughs> there you go. Very. Just thought I'd do it correctly. Uh, by Turned Out Games is headed to the Nintendo Switch and PC in late 2021. Did you play Zombie Ate My Neighbors? So we, I haven't played any of this shit, dude. No, zombies I, I play like any games. Zombies ate my neighbors. What this is uh, originally like? This is inspired yeah, it's an by an homage yeah. to it. Yeah, no, I'm saying I didn't play that game. Like oh. I barely played games when I was. Well, I played games when I was a kid, but it wasn't till later in life. Like I was too busy fucking playing Yu-Gi-Oh and not understanding how Pokemon worked. This dummy. Uh, to actually play awesome video games what about you louise did you play like zombies ain't my neighbors i'm familiar with it but no i've not played it oh man it was like one of my favorite games back uh in the snes days i'm so excited it was, to see uh, what it it was by into. lucas right it was by what lucas uh i believe so yeah back when they made games yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh let me look it up zombies ain't my neighbors uh yeah lucas arts correct correct it was yeah there was a sega version and an snes version i think the sega and snes version were like slightly different i don't remember why um but i it was just such a good co-op game and josh is a big fan of co-op i am but go check out battletoads i know i i'm Ah. super excited to play battletoads is it available on xbox game pass pc yes it's on Game Pass PC, Xbox Game Pass, on Steam, uh, and on PC at least, it has a remote play co-op, which, as far as I understand, means that you only need one copy of the game to remote play it to a friend to also play it. So it's like you're streaming the game to them so they can watch how to play without the actual game themselves. Yep. That's pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so look forward to Louise's review of Battletoads over on his YouTube channel, <laughs> which is just, 
Luis Alamia, right? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Just Google I my plugged name. for you. <laughs> uh, but we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories that I think it's about time we get back to the creators in our last segment, or second to last segment. God bless the crowd. This is where the biggest of average Josh boys hops into all sorts of crowdfunding sites, finds something awesome for us to talk about, and we do just so. This week's pick is over on Kickstarter. It's called Nocturne, and RPG with rhythm combat with like the, the subheader, I guess, uh, is discover that eternal life comes with a sacrifice in this genre-defining RPG with rhythm combat. As of this recording, uh, the developers are looking for $53,173. They currently have $3,061 with 59 backers and 28 days left to go uh, with the developers, of course. Um, well, not really, of course, but being uh, Par- Prassy Games, P-R-A-C-E, or C-Y, Studios is actually how it is. Not even games, dude. I didn't fucking... <laughs> just I totally words messed that there. up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This it was weird. Uh, so, Louise, what do you think about Nocturne? It looks interesting. Uh, I have like this knack for really getting invested in rhythm games that aren't like traditional rhythm games, and this sort of interests me in the fact that it takes that approach of you know traditional hit this note, hit this note, but applies it in a different way than those traditional games. Um, I'm looking at a GIF of it now, uh, and it seems like that's how you end up using the combat during battles i think that's pretty interesting i very much like games like thumper and uh, tetris effect that use music but in unusual ways to sort of play the game and i think this is totally up the alley yeah were you did you play at all or enjoy like crypt of the nectar dancer or cadence of hyrule that's exactly what i was thinking too uh it looks like something that would be with cadence of hyrule and uh, yeah i enjoyed the most recent one that came to switch Awesome. Uh, Josh, what do you think about Nocturne? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of rhythm-based games. Uh, I have a special spot in my heart for them just because of my uh, past with DDR, DDR obsession. ITG. <laughs> yeah. So I, anytime I see games like this, especially when they're something that, that always adds that twist to it, I think is really cool. I do like how they have this battling system where it's based on how you how well you're actually hitting those notes it's almost playing out a a video for you of your character attacking or defending themselves based on how uh how well you're doing so i think that's really cool i wonder how that's going to play out as far as like how much leeway you have and and how well it will be synced up with you doing damage or attacking or it, like if you'll be so invested in hitting the notes if you'll even be watching so like there's that kind of point to it where i don't know how much you'll really see of it or how much will be done outside of just keeping that rhythm and hitting those notes um but i really do like that it, it it's built with this story behind it so um it had a demo that was released for just like the first act of this game uh and a lot of people have found that it was a good game that they liked the story that they wanted to see more of it so i really do like that it it adds this element of a rhythm-based game but also being much more than that in uh hopefully i don't know but hopefully a good story that you can really get invested into yeah, the the story looks really really cool. Have you have either of you watched Upload on Amazon Prime? I have not. I have not, but my wife has, uh, and so I've caught pieces of it. So I kind of know about it. 
Yeah, so the the rough concept, uh, it's like a romantic comedy, but the rough concept is that like in this world, uh, when you die, your consciousness can be uploaded to a digital afterlife, mm-hmm. essentially, so you continue to live on, um, but it ends up like fucking killing you anyway. That shit's crazy. Mm-hmm. But this game is is very similar to that, where like the story is actually based in a digital afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really exciting. But in this digital afterlife, these like admin have actually taken over everything and you are now like fighting against them. And you play as a character, I believe called karma, um, who's like looking for their little brother who was the first like child to be uploaded, um, into this digital afterlife. It looks really weird and interesting. Um, for me personally, like I've never been a fan of rhythm games just because I have no rhythm and suck. Um, (laughs) But this one looks really interesting. The only reason that I say that I, I probably like, I personally would not like back it, even though it looks awesome. And I think the, like the story and everything like seems really, really interesting is because of the rhythm combat and Mm -hmm. that I don't actually like, even though I can make it easier, I don't think I'll ever actually get like, adept at it like i i don't think i'll be good at it um so it it, it's definitely just not going to be something that i'll ever play but if you're listening to this it is to get in on the ground floor and actually get the game um it's only 16 dollars. and if you're a big fan of rhythm games um or you think the story itself just sounds really cool make sure you head over to their kicks their uh, kickstarter campaign it looks really really interesting um i also like there's something that I want to know more than anything is that there are characters in it that have like fish like appearances <laughs> yeah. or like one of the admin, uh, his like his consciousness is split between two bodies. Uh, Yaku, he has like, his own body and his consciousness is also in like this cyborg esque fox. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know how that works. Like, what's up? <laughs> is that like a skin? Why do you look like a fish sensei? Like, I just want to know so bad. Yeah, well, if you pay sixteen dollars, you'll find out. <laughs> I think the characters. I honestly, is fine. It's a yeah, I like them too. I think they look really, really cool. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely something that I can see being like a hit. Um, I'm sure a lot of people in the same light of what you mentioned will be turned off just because of this rhythm based mechanic, which kind of sucks because obviously it's it's hard to get over that hump if you have no interest in this aspect of of the game but like i think there's a group of like there's an audience for this and i think hopefully it resonates with them um but we'll just have to see i think one of the things i will say is their goal is pretty high up there for uh, a lot of the indie games we do see so that is a risk obviously um but we'll just have to see if it actually pops off or not yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And if this like ninety seven percent positive on Steam will in some way translate to like a, a kind of them reaching their goal and possibly getting further, because their their first stretch goal is like at eighty thousand dollars, which is of course like uh, thirty thousand above what they're asking for, roughly. Um, and it's to add like animated cutscenes, right. which I think would be really really cool, especially because like Louis said, these character designs are really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm excited for this game, and I I uh, but I don't think I'll ever play it just because of that combat style. Um, it's just, I, I don't think I will realistically be able to play it because I am not good at video games in general, let alone this (laughs) hectic ass shit. 
Like it looks crazy. <laughs> um, so any last, uh, any last tidbits you guys want to get off about nocturnal before we hop into our listener questions? Nah, I think, uh, if you like rhythm based games, check it out. Yep. Agreed. Awesome. Oh, and also it's called Nocturne. I think I said yeah, Nocturnal. It's, yeah. it's Nocturne. Um, and of course, if you would like to uh, just see how the game works, try it out. Uh, you can check out the Nocturne Pro Prelude. 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 I, don't, I don't know. Prelude, whatever, however you're supposed to say it, uh, over on Steam and contribute to the 97% positive rating that it currently has. Uh, but it's time for our last segment. This is, of course, when we answer your listener questions. We of course we we put out a tweet uh, on Mondays uh, announcing our guest, but also just asking for any and all questions. You can, as well as like uh, just answering or putting your questions down below in that tweet. You can send more long form questions to us at our Gmail account, which is indieincursionpodcast at gmail.com. Super annoying. We'll eventually change it. I don't know. Shit's weird. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Emails are odd. Uh, but Josh Nichols from That Their Active Quest writes in and says, What's a AAA slash double A game you're playing that you'd like to talk about but haven't had an excuse to discuss? So Louise, what is your AAA game? <sighs> Rainbow Six Siege. It's it's something I'm actively playing all the time, but I never talk about it, never even reviewed it, because uh, I got into it super late. It's just like a very, I, I was going to say casual, it's not casual at all. Uh, it's very competitive, but uh, it's just kind of like my leisurely multiplayer game I play with friends every once in a while uh, throughout the week. Uh, they're just, they just announced like an update that really changes the meta and adds more features that seem more modernized for shooters, like a ping system that actually contextualizes what you're trying to ping. And it's just sort of interesting to see this game that, I think was revealed back when PS4 and Xbox One kind of got revealed themselves, uh, still be so active at the end of their life cycle, and it's most likely going to go moving on to the next one. And I think it's just interesting to see Ubisoft like have this successful, quote-unquote, uh, service game. I mean, it's a, like it's exceptionally impressive, uh, mostly because of their like kind of rough and rocky launch that they had, mm-hmm. and then like that was then formed into this like awesome game that the community is really excited about. Uh, being a fan of Rainbow Six Siege, are you excited for like Sam Fisher from Sprinter Cell to to be an operator in Rainbow Six? Yes, but also like just make a game with them, please. Like stop putting them <laughs> in everything. Like I. I... I, at this point, I imagine we're going to get Sam Fisher in a Raymond Ra- Raving Rabbids game before we actually get another Splinter Cell game. Uh, just, you know, please, please just make a damn game. The next Mario and Rabbids game, like, has a, a little cameo of Sam Fisher, and you're like, why? Why would you do this? This is stupid. <laughs> it, it honestly would not surprise me. <laughs> I I love it so much. Like uh, over on Active Quest, they're like, "Yeah, next he's gonna show up in fucking Brawlhalla." <laughs> like he's just never gonna have his own game, which is so funny. I just I think it's hilarious. Uh, but Josh, what is a AAA or double A game that you have not had an excuse to talk about? Uh, well, uh, I like briefly mentioned it, but I only mentioned that I hate what they did to the series. But it's definitely Paper Mario. Uh, the Origami King. Uh, man, where do I start? Uh, I just want Thousand Year Door remastered. Like, I, I don't, I don't have any faith in the team that builds Paper Mario games to bring back what I love. 
don't get me wrong it's not a bad game uh paper mario and the origami king is a good game it's just not the game i want it's not an rpg it's a puzzle based uh adventure game and i'm just not looking for that when i think of paper mario uh but man it's just i don't know the minute you take experience away like experience points and leveling up random monster encounters it's like grinding has always been kind of like an issue with rpgs and there's obviously that time sink but like man does it feel like a grind when you have to fight an enemy and you're like this is literally pointless there is nothing that is uh, progressing me in the story in the game anything to this point of this game like this specific encounter the only thing good about that game i mean there's a lot of good things but like the only good fighting aspect like combat aspect is the boss battles it's unique it's different it's interesting to play but like every other encounter is just awful i would have rather much like i would have loved if this game was literally just the actual dialogue and those like adventure parts of like exploring and then you had a boss fight like i could i could go with them just taking out combat completely other than boss fights I've I've never played like a Paper Mario game, um, but how do you feel about like I was listening to Active Quest uh, earlier this week, their most recent episode, and I believe Josh specifically he was the one who brought up the fact. That, oh yeah, they'll never uh, Paper Mario and the they'll never yeah that they like it, that Paper Mario and the Origami King like uh, has, has sold like two million copies, which is drastically oversold a thousand year. Door. I mean, here's the thing. It's like kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If they would have made a thousand year door esque game, it still probably would have done that two million in my eyes. Cause I think this is just the switch is blowing up and there's so many people who wanted a paper Mario game. And there's so many people like me who bought it because they were like, it's a return to form. This is probably going to be good. And then got disappointed. Like I, like you can't really return nintendo games so like i want to see how many people actually were like yep this is what i wanted out of those you know amount of people but still like this is going to be something where obviously they are never going to go back to thousand year door because of the success and because they haven't really lost much but at the same time when you're looking at like how much things sold back then like it's kind of like a biased way to look at things because the popularity of video games today when you think of how it was back way back when is so much different and people buy and consume games at such a different rate right now as uh, compared to like what they did then but just from a face value they're gonna look at this and be like nope gotta make it different each time yeah yeah it kind of reminds me of uh was it Comcast or Spectrum? It was some internet company was going to court and trying to get uh, data caps back. And the reasoning was like, look at how many people paid for data caps. Like, obviously they love this. I'm like, no, they just didn't have like any other choice. choice and that's yeah. why they were paying. Yeah. So it's like right now it's like, oh, you, you guys all bought this Paper Mario. Obviously you guys love it. It's like, no, there just wasn't another one. Right. Exactly. And that's like, that's. Honestly, like, that's the thing is if I could, if Nintendo today was like, did you enjoy this? Do you want your $60 back? I would be like, yes, I would rather give this up and have my $60 back. I like what they did with Paper Mario, like the characters, the world, like I love the dialogue. The actual writing in it is amazing. But as a game, like I just don't have any interest in it. I And I feel like also the... 
I guess that comparison is a little bit skewed uh, where Josh brought up like, oh, yeah, this one is drastically outsold the original. And it's also that like GameCube is an entire in its entire lifespan, I believe, uh, sold like 22 million units versus the Nintendo Switch has sold. And it's not even close to being done, I don't believe, has sold like over 59 million right, units. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it, it would be insane if it didn't sell as much, if not more than the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door just because of the metrics on how many people have a switch in their home plus i i mean you also have to account that like this game came out in a year like of the pandemic where people are looking for more wholesome games and the fact that like there aren't a massive amount of games to play right now like recently more games have been coming out but up until now there was like kind of a slow trickle of games um so there's that. But for me, uh, AAA and like AA games that I haven't had a chance to discuss, I, I don't actually have a whole lot of time to play many of them right. uh, for like a while. I was playing the I was playing Dragon Age Origins uh, quite a lot when I was supposed to be playing Undertale. Um, <laughs> and that was a problem uh but i i never got a chance to talk about that and like i specifically went on active quest to talk about the last of us part two because we have a an indie games podcast and it's not an indie game so i didn't get to talk about it until then but like that was a couple of them it seems like anytime i'm playing like a triple a or double a game i just don't get to talk about it really because we talk about indie games and otherwise i don't have a lot of game or friends that want to get deep into <laughs> to video games with me so yeah it's there's that. it's honestly been weird like now that i'm thinking about it in in other years i think it was much more relevant but like this year especially i feel like i just haven't played much of any of the mainstream games like i've more just tailored like it's almost just because of the fact that we have this podcast and i feel like i always need to be like i need to be playing an indie game so like i've kind of steered away from a lot of the the bigger titles obviously when cyberpunk comes out though i'm gonna be all over that like don't get me wrong but um i don't know i've just i've really gravitated toward indies in general and haven't really had a lot of chance or like excuses to be like i really need to talk about this triple a game yeah yeah i i don't really have it either um but our next question is written in by chris penwell also of that their active quest and he has a question specific for louise he says louise serious question does pineapple belong on pizza so what is your answer no that's it oh, no God, i'm not explaining so it wrong no. so wrong Fuck yeah dude louise and this is, is my last episode of this podcast train. so wrong. <laughs> get off get out of here <laughs> okay louise i'll have you back me and you we'll just do one because josh is dumb and he likes pineapple on pizza. <laughs> no I, I uh i'm a big meat eater so put like put like steak on there put some ground beef some pepperoni some chicken bacon and i'll i'll, I'll throw in some mushrooms some bell pepper in there but no pineapple <laughs> the one thing is just no pineapple <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome what's your favorite kind of pizza I get, probably meat lovers. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like, that's my favorite, too. I freaking love meat lovers. I mean, pepperoni is always a safe bet. It's always delicious. Everybody's got delicious pepperoni. Meat lovers can get weird because, like, it depends on what kind of sausage people have. And you're just like, why is it? Like, they basically just, like, slap a sausage patty on your pizza. And you're like, who would do this? Like, why would you do that to me? <laughs> that would be uncomfortable. But you're going to some weird yeah, places. 
Yeah, I live in fucking Idaho, Josh. I mean, you think it's normal <laughs> here? I don't fucking. You know. live in Alligatorville. You're judging me. Well, why do you? Why do you think I'm never pizza? moving there? <laughs> fucking weird ass sausage pizzas. <laughs> uh, and he also writes it and says, "Do you think indie game discovery is difficult on storefronts, and how can they improve this? If so, so Louise, do you think it's difficult, and how can they improve it?" Uh, I think. I think so. I think indie games nowadays travel more by word of mouth and social media than storefronts. Because I've never, I can't honestly recall in the last generation of gaming going on the storefront being like, I've never heard of this game. It's on my front page. I'm going to check it out. It's always like I open the storefront with the game I already know I'm going to buy or look up. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, Josh? it's it's a struggle. I, I think Luis has the right idea, though. For me, a lot of the games that I find nowadays are because it blows up on Twitter or I just find it tweeted by the, the different people that I follow. Um, I personally, when we've talked about this before, I personally find a lot of indie games by going through Steam and actually searching upcoming indie games. And just like once a week, I do that as like a just a scheduled thing for myself to see if there's anything upcoming that I want to do more research on, or if like, I want to ask if one of their developers will do an interview with us and stuff like that. But that's because I'm literally ingrained into this world. The normal, like average person who's just going about their day and every once in a while will play a game or even if they play it, you know, more regularly, they're not going to do that. So I think, I think it's hard, especially because most people don't have the same kind of mentality of like, support indies it's more of just support any game that looks good um so i i think it's hard because there's so many games out there right like it's really hard to get this right and i don't think anyone really does uh because you generally look at stores like let's take steam for example they have feature and recommended then they have special offers and then they have a discovery queue and the discovery queue is pretty good because that's that's a a thing that steam does where it, it tries to use algorithms to throw games your way that you might like right and that's pretty good because like i don't think a storefront storefront should really even though we are an indie games podcast i don't think they have to really say like we're only going to show indies because this is like like it's the same kind of thing about like are you really being inclusive if you're also just specifically focusing on one area and like indie is such a big group now that you can't really just say like oh check out these indie games because there's just so many games like it's hard to just feature that like think about how many games come out like every day every week every month there's tons so how do you get that right when you just have a constant flux and you really don't know what every person is going to like you have to not really go as much by indie but more by really focusing on something like a discovery queue or getting customized storefronts that are made specifically for your interests, you know, kind of like a dating profile. You start up with something and you go like, I want games that have roguelite elements. I want something that might have uh, sports in it. I want something that might have strategy in it. And based on that, it gives you algorithms for what are those upcoming games? What are popular games in that community based on those choices you picked i think that's the only way you get this right because like it's too hard to just say we're focusing indie games because like what are you going to get six bubbles that show a game and just rotate it every day even doing that you're still not going to fully get as many games as there are out there 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea, though, having kind of a discovery queue in all sorts of different storefronts. I personally, I don't have a lot of experience with like Microsoft storefront currently um, because I might have an Xbox one, but I, I honestly don't think I've turned it on in like a year. <laughs> Did you like just it's... say you might have an Xbox one? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I I don't know if I said I might. I do have oh, an Xbox One, I but like, I don't know if I've turned it you on. You might like, like sell it or get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's like, <laughs> I don't remember. I've put it in a corner and it might have gotten away from me. I don't know. No, I do. I, I can see it right now. I'm looking right at it. It's on my like TV stand. But, you sure it's on a VCR? That's a good point. Maybe I need to go try to turn it on and see what's up. Try to jam a VHS tape in it. Like, we'll see what's, what's happening. Um... No, I mean, I feel like all storefronts for the most part, not even just for indie games, though, just games in general have difficulty on storefronts. Like Louise said, most people go to storefronts and they just specifically look for the game they're looking for. They don't kind of hang out. And even when they do, I feel like, at least in my opinion, I feel like Steam does it best because they have something like a discovery queue or... They allow you to choose multiple different metrics to look for versus like in my major experience trying to look for specific games or just specific genres on like the PlayStation 4. It's Garbo. It's the worst because like they have like five or six genres. And even then when you'll click on one, you're like, I know for a fact that this game is not like it had like... this is just a random thing. This wasn't actually what happened, but they would essentially have like Hyperlight Drifter as a puzzle game. And you're just like, that's not a puzzle game. That's not at all what that is. Like every game is just, they're not actually separated very well into their specific categories. And I feel like good ways to fix this is to have more wide reaching categories where you can do like Josh said, where you can choose multiple different metrics. And I think that they should also include indie as one of those. So if you want to just look for indie games, you can do so like steam has versus like on the PlayStation four, you cannot do that. As far as I know and remember, you can't just specifically like kind of look for indie games. You just have to assume that they are, um, in a weird way. So I, I think that there are a lot of ways that they can improve storefronts, but I also feel like they don't try. Like, they're just like, we know people aren't going to come here and look for games all that often. They're just going to come here and purchase the games they want, or they're going to go to our sales section. So what's the point? We're just going to have, like, kind of a boilerplate, like, user interface that people can come through and buy something. I I honestly don't see anyone actually revamping their storefronts. I I don't think they'll do it. I don't think it's a priority, really. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they seem to have, like, dialed in on something that they enjoy. And they're like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to change it a whole lot. But I think it would be nice if they did. Because discoverability is a real issue in the games industry, especially right now. With new games coming out literally every day and multiples. So, yeah, it's just outrageous. It's tough. Um, but... Our last question is written in by Will C. And he says, uh, hey, Vaughn, Josh, and Louise. I'm sure you all read Nintendo Power magazines. Uh, what was your favorite section in them? For me, it was the fan art. You'd see some good stuff, even the crayon pictures of Kirby from six-year-old kids that six-year-old kids drew. Uh, what? And I love how he says, what parent let their kids use the postal service? <laughs> um Louise, did you did you read Nintendo Power and what were your favorite section in them if you did? Um I was subscribed for a few years when I was a kid. And it definitely was like the interaction with the audience, because I think 
that was the most exciting thing for me as a kid. Like when we didn't have internet channels back then, it was more like, hey, these people, like in retrospective, they weren't really Nintendo employees, but they kind of were like working for Nintendo. Right. And it was cool to sort of have that interaction, or at least if you weren't lucky enough to get chosen, you would see other people have that interaction and think, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, and I had to look this up because I had Nintendo Power for as long as I can remember. Um, but I, I didn't remember the actual sections. But some of my favorites were uh, what they called classified information and pack watch. So classified information was their section where they back in the day you didn't have anything like the internet because it was still for the most part becoming a thing uh and then even when it was a thing it wasn't as readily accessible or just easy to use so you didn't get that same feeling of like knowing cheat codes or being able to look up secrets or tips or things like that so classified information was a section where people would write in tips or things that they had found in games that were like not obvious and so you'd find these little hidden bits of information in this and it would be it would be just so crazy because you'd be like, what, you could do that in this game? Like, I had no idea. Like, because obviously the world of video games and secrets and cheats and things like that were still just becoming a thing as far as like Easter eggs are concerned. So I always loved that part. And then the other one was Pack Watch just because uh, that was all about upcoming games. So just looking into the future at what was coming. I loved looking at the, the Nintendo Power magazines and being like, oh, look at all these cool games that are going to happen. And it's like, I have this really vivid memory of this strange so if you remember diddy kong racing diddy kong racing had like 10 characters or something all wacky characters and uh each one of them there was this one nintendo article that had like every month nintendo is making a game for these characters and it was like this big thing and i was like that's crazy and then they came out with the conquer's bad fur day which was like that one who was in Diddy Kong Racing where he first started. And I was like, oh man, they're going to do it. They never did any of those other games. And maybe it was just because Conker's Bad Fur Day was such like a uh, a wrench in in the works just because of it being mature. But like, it's so strange that that was even a thing, but I I still loved it and getting excited for those games. Cause that was, you know, that's that's the equivalent of what we have now with like directs. It was that hype trailer Mm -hmm. of like, oh man, these things are coming out. I can't wait to play them. Uh, so for me, I'm I'm glad to be the odd man out. I have literally never seen a Nintendo Power magazine before. My childhood. I uh, gotta get out of the Idaho. The only times, <laughs> yeah. I, the only times I've li- I've ever seen them is in like TV shows and stuff like that, or like uh, seeing people talk about it online. I've never seen oh, a Nintendo so Power cool. magazine. I loved them in real life. Like, I honestly feel like I missed out in a big way. And I was like, I I initially was like, oh, maybe it came out like before I was really ingrained in the games industry, but looked in it like fucking Nintendo Power ran until like 2012 or something like that. And I was like, ah, yeah, I don't even know what happened. Saving your $20 a year, sucker. (laughs) (laughs) But I yeah, I've never seen a Nintendo Power. I like I read Game Informer, but that was because like I came across it because it was a GameStop. And that was like one of the only game stores we had. And Nintendo Power, I had always heard about it, but never actually knew how to get it, let alone like convince my parents to let me get it. Like I freaking 
I could barely convince my parents to give me like freaking 10 bucks a month for RuneScape membership, <laughs> let alone asking them for freaking Nintendo Power. So, yeah, I I never had that experience. I, I love how he says, I'm sure you all read Nintendo Power magazines. No, never. <laughs> I've literally never read one. I've never even seen one. So. <sighs> no childhood. <sighs> Hate to disappoint, we'll see. Uh, my childhood fucking sucked. Clearly. Okay. Jeez, uh, but that is the end of this podcast. Thanks so much. Or I always say podcast, but I mean episode of the podcast or just episode. Uh, the thanks end of the so podcast. much, it everyone. Ends with this, episode. <laughs> this is the last one. Thanks yeah. for being on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does agree with me that pineapple doesn't belong on pizza, and I think that'll enrage Josh in such a way that he refuses to come on the podcast anymore. I quit. So. That is, this is the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks everyone so much for listening. If you would like to chat with us outside the show, you can chat with us specifically at IndiePod on Twitter. Once again, make sure that you follow us there. You get notifications for our episodes, uh, for like our giveaways, uh, our question tweets, all sorts of awesome stuff. Uh, you can follow me specifically at Hyde Legion. That's H-Y-D-E-L-E-G-I-O-N on Twitter. Uh, you can chat with me about like anime, all sorts of dumb shit, indie games. Uh, I don't know. I talk about the dumbest stuff. Uh, you can follow Josh at the underscore George 90 on Twitter. Uh, is there anything that you want to pimp out right now, Josh? Uh, no, the only thing that I'd, I'd want to shout out is the new interview with uh, Xavier Moni. Uh, the kind develop or the kind Camille, which is now out on Kickstarter. There, they have that campaign. Um, the interview was very interesting. It's a nice, calm, like relaxing adventure game where you're just doing small acts of kindness, which I think is pretty cool and unusual in today's uh, indie game space, or just not really indie game, but video game space. Uh, I think it's definitely worth a listen, and it's a it's a rather short one. It's only 24 minutes, so it's not like a crazy chunk of your time if you got some time to kill uh check it out and louise where can people find you and your work you can find me at youtube.com slash louise gvn and twitter.com louise underscore gvn i tweet about games and talk about tetris a lot Cool. <laughs> are there any like uh new like upcoming videos that people need to watch out for on your youtube channel other than your battletoads review which i already freaking told people to go watch <laughs> so yeah the battletoads review should be live by now uh depending on when this goes lives at live at some point this week i'll be reviewing uh with raji spearfar and uh, the folks at genki sent me this like really small switch dock that's essentially like the size of an ipad ac adapter so mm -hmm. I don't know the order yet, but those are all coming out within the next 10 days, hopefully. All right. Well, there you go. This one will go up this Friday. So, oh, yeah. Never mind. It'll be after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually. Well, people can still watch your Battletoads review. There you yeah. Go. Turn on you the notifications. You'll, you'll get it when it's done. <laughs> uh, that's it for this episode. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.